you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, good morning. My name is Chris. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, my last name is Brown, and I'm not related to the other Chris Brown. And uh, my lovely wife, Cindy, and my daughter, Nicole, are, are here with me this morning as well. And today we're going to be covering a, uh, <clears throat> it's a subject that I think is going to, uh, it's going to minister to a lot of people in this house. And before we, we really get into it, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to share a little, a little story uh, before we launch into it. Amen. So can we pray? Father, we thank you for being our guide and delivering us through the storms of life, Lord, whether they be physical, whether they be emotional, whether they're uh, just part of our everyday life, whether it's at work or, uh, you know, even in the, the family unit, Lord, we know that there can be storms. And Father, that even in the midst of the storm, you promised to be with us. You promised to be the fourth man in the fire sometimes when we're going through the hardest parts of our lives. So it could be something small, it could be something great, but God, you have declared through your word and through your promise that you would be there with each one of us. So Father, I just pray that today's message is from you and you alone. Lord, I get out of the way and I allow you to speak through your Holy Spirit to your people that you love so dearly. Amen. In Jesus' name. Can you kind of, I don't know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm a little hot on the, on the mic. I don't want to be blowing you guys out of the, out of the, uh, the audience. Hello? Okay, okay. <laughs> so I got a little story before we launch. Um, just to kind of give you guys uh, uh, a synopsis of what we're going to be covering today. Uh, everybody's kind of familiar with the story of Peter's denial. Amen. Garden of Eden. Uh, our Garden of Eden. The Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you know, the, the, pre the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, and then they took Jesus, and uh, we, we know at that point that, and we're going to read through it, uh, but just to kind of give you guys an understanding of what we're going to be covering. And so the story that I got is years ago, uh, you know, I was into all the, uh, I guess, like, you know, extreme sports, right? So anything that was uh, rock climbing, snowboarding, uh, you name it. I was in it, man, and I was loving it. And I was doing it all the time. We lived in Utah. And so my roommate came and he said, hey, you know, they got this, uh, this thing. It's called bungee jumping, right? He goes, it's, they got it down, you know, at the, this place, right? And we're going to go down this weekend and we're going to go bungee jumping. He's, he goes, are you in? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm totally in, right? So we're on our way down there, you know, and you, you get that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an I'm a adrenaline junkie kind of thing going, and it's like, man, this is going to be awesome, right? So we get there, we get, get up to the place, and there's this huge tower going way up, probably 100 feet up in the air, right? So we're climbing up the tower, and <laughs> all of a sudden, all that exuberance, you know, all that bravado, I think it was draining out of my toes <laughs> because it was at this time that I realized, even though I've been rock climbing and all that, because you're on a rope, right? You don't really think about it. You're staring at rock. It's like right here. So there's really no concept of what's beneath your feet. But as I was climbing up those stairs higher 
and higher. It's like my knees started going, what's going on with this, right? And so we get up there. They hand me this harness, right? So I put this harness on, and I buckle it up, and there's zip, 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 pulling all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm strapped in. I'm good to go, right? And then they hook up the, the bungee cord, right? So they clip it in, and there's just this platform that goes out over, you know, nothing, <laughs> right? So he's like, and I'm like, I, f- I felt like I was, you know, like on a pirate ship, walk the plank, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm stepping out like this, and I'm like, so I just jump, and it's like this, this cord is on me, but it's just hanging there, right? And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be this, you know, I was, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm just going to run right off and dive and go, ah! no, I'm scared to death at this point, right? And I kid you not, this is, and then all my friends down below, they're starting to see this, this paleness on my face, right? So what do they do? They start counting. And they don't start at like 20. They started at like five. Five, four, three, two. <laughs> I literally, like, when I, when I went off, it was like at the last minute, I tried to grab <laughs> onto the edge. It was too late, man. I was just like, ah. And then, you know, with the bungee, it's like, Burr. And I was like, ah. And so I began to realize, wait a minute, I'm not as... You know, I'm not as strong with this as I thought, okay? So why do I share that story? Well, sometimes that's how we start out our Christian faith, amen? We think, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Jesus, he saved me. This is going to be a great life. And then just like the song said earlier, sometimes it's a vow that is going to be tested. And many times in that vow... There's things that come up in our life that we're not really proud of. There's reactions that we have that may not be godly, okay? So when we have those things, if you want to go to the next slide, these are the things that can come from those poor choices, those poor decisions, these responses that we may have to our life. So what do we do with guilt and shame? What is this guilt and shame, are they the same? Are they different? Is there good guilt? Is there bad guilt? Is there good shame, bad shame? Well, today we're going to cover all of that. And, but just keep in mind through this whole thing that God is the one who should be the recipient of both. Our guilt and our shame, it should take us and lead us somewhere. And so there's going to be two paths that you're going to see uh, in the story today. And either our guilt and shame leads us to the cross, or our guilt and shame leads us away. We, We end up hiding, we end up isolating ourselves, and we could actually begin to think of ourselves as something that is, uh, you know, we're in a hopeless situation. We're never going to make it, you know, but that's where 
even in the line of the song today, that our sin is great. But God's love is greater. And we don't have to fear about bringing our sin and our shame and our guilt to Christ. We do not have to fear that. Because we know that through the cross, Jesus took all of, our, all of it. He took our punishment. And really, when you think about guilt and shame, that's what it is. It's fear of punishment, fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, fear of how we're going to look in front of others. And sometimes guilt and shame are really silent killers of our faith if we don't address them properly. So let's go ahead and get into the scripture. So this is coming out of... Uh, this is Luke 22, 54 through 62. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. So if you picture this, I just want you to picture this properly. The, you know, these Roman homes, especially the ones that had uh, a lot of money, they had courtyards in the middle. And so that's where they're at. They went in with the guards and uh, the priest, if you remember in this story, this is where um, they took Jesus. So Jesus was already there. And if you remember, I want to give you a little backstory and also connect, I forgot, connect that story of mine. If you remember at the Last Supper, Peter sat before Jesus saying, I will die for you. Right? He's saying, I'll go the distance. Just like my exuberance, I'm man, I'm going to jump off of that ledge and it's going to be great and it's going to be awesome. But here Peter is making a vow. He's like, I will do whatever it takes, Jesus, and I will follow you to the end. I will die for you. And then here we have the reality of what sometimes can come against us in our own life. <clears throat> and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. Next slide. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a, Gal he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. So what was on Peter's heart? Well, I believe that what Peter was really dealing with there was he just realized his reaction. And he remembered the words of him saying to, to Jesus, I will do whatever it takes. I will follow you to the end. But sometimes when we look at our own lives, we see things happening that we want control over. We, uh, you know, we give it to God, but then we see them kind of going into the chaos mode, right? And we start to get worried. We start to be in Peter's shoes. We we sit there and we look at the circumstances around us and we begin to lose hope. We begin to lose faith in what God said he's going to do. Even though Jesus said, 
everything that was going to happen. He sat down at the, at the Last Supper and he told the, 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 the disciples exactly what was going to happen. But here we have Peter that's having a, an, an emotional reaction that maybe even is surprising himself. So how many of us have, you know, we start out with, on that trail with Jesus and we start out on that trail with God, but we're soon confronted with situations, circumstances, uh, things in life where all of a sudden we don't like our own reaction. We don't like the thoughts going through our head. Amen? But the reality is, is we're human, right? God already knows our thoughts. He already knows how we're going to react. So if God knows how we're going to react, then he must have a plan for things just like this. Amen? So let's go to the next slide. So we're dealing with failure. So what really is failure? Well, failure is a lack of success or the omission of performance, specifically a failing to perform a duty or expected action. The definition of sin is that. It's simply to miss the mark. We didn't get it right. We didn't follow what was supposed to be followed. So failure, if you look, failing to perform. We always kind of, not dance, but we, uh, we discuss this concept constantly. You know, we don't want to be in performance mode, right? We don't want to think that or feel that we just have to perform for God. And that is the absolute truth. Because when we look at the Scripture, the Scripture is clear. It, Paul said it. He goes, it is no longer I that live but it is Christ that lives through me. So if Jesus is the one who's going to be living through us, whenever we see the reaction that we, uh, or when we, when we feel the reaction and we see the response coming out of us, it's okay for us to dial back and then bring it back and go to Jesus with it. Because that is the direction that we should be going with our guilt and with our shame. So what is Guilt. Go to the next slide, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope, go back. I do want to cover that scripture. So this is where we get just the, the, the bottom line of uh, our situation as human beings. <clears throat> for it says there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, for the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. So guilt and, and shame are going to come simply because God has a law and we know that we're born of sin. We're lawbreakers. So guess what? Everyone sitting in this room today, every person on this planet is not going to be exempt from feeling guilt and shame. So the key is, what, what is it and what do, we ha what do we need to do with it? So let's go to guilt. So guilt arises from simply an awareness of our actions, a failure against a standard, the simple fact that we failed. There's actually no emotion tied to this. It's simply an, an indictment that we can do ourselves and say, yep, I did something wrong. I know it. It's a simple fact. That's all guilt is. Now guilt in and of itself, can be healthy. Because without it, we wouldn't 
have the conscience or the mind to be able to take that to God and deal with it appropriately. But that guilt has to be derived from the right thing. It has to be derived from God's standard. Make sure that that is the only guilt that you're going to deal with and bring to God. Because there's other guilt, if it's unhealthy, okay, it's going to come from somebody else's standard. Could be the person sitting next to you. Could be the president. Could be the, the, your boss. Could even be yourself. Maybe you've got a different standard than God. Whether high or low, doesn't matter. But we could put guilt on ourselves. We can get into situations where somebody is putting guilt on us, but we always take it to the word, and we say, God, am I doing something wrong here? Because we don't want to be convicted for something that we're not guilty of. Amen? Because we put ourselves on a lot of pressure. You know, our families, our friends, our work, a lot of guilt can be put on us simply because other people want to control what we do. They don't like what we do. They don't like what we say. They, don't, they want to change us. But we know that God has already given us his word. His way of changing us is the only one that actually works. And that's what we need to follow. So let's go to uh, next, the scripture. So obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. Simple truth. Remember, guilt is simply about the truth. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. Oh, go back. Sorry. Yeah. To show that the entire world is guilty before God. So guilt is God design. It's healthy. We don't need to feel bad if we're feeling guilty. However, it's how long we keep it, how long we let it fester within us, and what it motivates us to do. Because guilt, if left unchecked, next slide, will turn into shame. And we know that in the scriptures, you know, we see both sides of shame. Now, shame, and this is a neat thing about shame, is that... Uh, and we'll get to the scripture later. But Jesus actually said, uh, or I'm sorry, the author of Hebrews said that Jesus despised the shame on his way to the cross. And we'll get to that. I'm going to actually, I guess, poem, I don't know. It was, it's something that John Piper wrote, and it's about shame. And it's really good, and that's what we're going to kind of close uh, today with, and it's really powerful. But at the same time, you know, shame, even though we may feel bad, shame is feeling bad about who I am as a result of what I've done. Shame is more relational. It has to do with our emotions. It has to do with our relationships with others. We feel like a failure to God, to others, and to ourselves. Okay, so we already know that we're guilty before God. The problem is, is where shame can get 
uh, and where feeling shame is actually healthy is when it's attacking our pride because it'll expose our pride. So if, if that shame is, and you look at it and you realize, wait a minute, I'm so worried about myself. I'm so worried about the way that I feel and the way that I look and the way that I am before others. Your safe harbor is always, again, going to be with God. Bring your shame to him because he's going to help you deal with it appropriately. So what are, what are some things associated with, uh, with shame? It's fear of being exposed. A feeling of helplessness or hopelessness and feeling trapped. So to differentiate a little bit also with guilt and shame, guilt is when I say I feel bad for yelling at my kids. Shame is when I say I'm a bad parent for yelling at my kids. So that's the difference. You want to go to the next slide? So here's our response to both guilt and shame. For it says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. God leads us into a safe harbor in order for us to work out our salvation, right? It comes with fear and trembling, yes. But God wants us to, to know it is safe for us to work out our salvation with him. That there is always going to be hope. There's always going to be a future. We know that from Jer Jeremiah 29, 11. That his hope for you is for you to endure and come through and be healed from whatever guilt and shame we may be dealing with. Next slide. So here, after, make sure I'm not missing anything. Okay, yes. So shame can be toxic when it leads us away from God and away from repentance because we feel we are a failure and will never measure up. And again, this is rooted in pride and our own idolatry. Shame is healthy when it leads us to Christ. We see ourselves in the light of God's holiness, yes, but we must see ourselves as both objects of his affection in spite of our sin and accept his perfect sacrifice and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. So the main thing that Peter was dealing with was that he felt that he was bound to be condemned for denying Jesus. But because we are full of sinful pride, we are ashamed of our failures and weaknesses, and we will go to almost any length to hide them from others. And it really boils down to an identity issue. Yes, we are truly failures without God. But in Christ... We are born again as a new creation. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. For the old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So this is where Peter was at after the, the, uh, after the crucifixion. Where did Peter go? Him and some of the disciples decided 
to go back. They wanted to go back and go fishing. He had lost hope. He had lost the direction. Jesus was gone. He, had, he was always there with them, guiding them, directing them, leading them. All they had to do was follow. But now all of a sudden, all of that has changed. Jesus is no longer there. What do they do? Well, Peter just decides, I guess uh, just, I'm, I'll go back and go fishing. So some of the disciples said, well, can we join you? Because <laughs> we don't know what to do either. So they all went fishing. And I think, is, is it at this time? Yeah. I actually want to go ahead and show a, a quick three-minute video. Or a minute and 36 seconds. It's really short. But I think this is going to tie in with where we're at uh, in the, at the, this point of the message. Because the reality is, is while we have guilt and shame, we need to focus on solving it and dealing with it appropriately and dealing with it health in, in a healthy way. And it always boils down to who is our hope, who is our deliverer, who is our, uh, our champion when it comes to dealing with the things that cause guilt and shame in our life. Because we have been designed to be overcomers in Christ. Amen? All right, so go ahead and show this video. It's real short. Once... You lived in Adam, and let's face it, you enjoyed some of these sins. And from time to time, Satan whispers in your ear and tries to get you to go back to that old lifestyle. Doesn't he do that? Paul is saying, don't go back. You're under a different master. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Things are different now. You are in Christ. You are under His reign. Why would you go back to the old master, the old tyranny? If you die to sin, how can you continue to live in it? Sin, as it were, has been unplugged in your life. Don't plug it back in. You're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Believe it. Act on it. You're united with Christ in His death, in His burial, in His glorious resurrection. This is your identity. Never forget it. Live it. Live the life of grace. Live a life of freedom. Amen. It's about moving on. Guilt and shame are the result of us choosing to engage in those sinful behaviors, in those sinful thoughts. They're a product of those things. But here God is saying to us, no more, because we don't have to. We can move on. Peter went fishing, but here comes Jesus. He builds a fire, cooks some fish, and he says, come and have breakfast with me. And I want you to know that wherever you're sitting today, wherever your emotions are with your current situation, even with things in your past that you may have done, Jesus is asking you simply to come and sit down and have breakfast with him. Because here's Peter's reaction. When he saw Jesus on the shoreline, it says that he took off 
his, his, or his work clothes, basically, and stripped down to his loincloth and dove in the water and swam. And then the, the rest of the disciples followed after. But here's Peter running to Jesus. You're here. You're here. But Jesus asks him a simple question that I think we can ask ourselves and which will help lead us out of any guilt and shame that may be lingering in our lives. Because at this point in time, if you remember in the story, they caught 153 fish. They were blown away. They, they were hauling in the, this big net of fish, right? They said that there were so many fish in there that they were, and they were big that the net didn't even break. But when Peter made it to Jesus, he asked Peter one simple question. Do you love me more than these? I think he was talking about the fish. Because that's what they presented to him. They brought this big load of fish. So what does that mean? Sometimes we just go back to things that are comfortable. We go back to things that are familiar. But God has greater things on the horizon for us. Things that glorify him. Things that heal us. Things that he wants us to partake in that bring us joy, that bring us peace. Yes, they're going to be challenging, but we need not fear any of them. So Jesus is saying, don't love the fish more than you love me. Don't love going back and being comfortable. Go with me. Go into your healing. It's going to be challenging. We all know that when we go into a place of healing and go into a place of dealing with our guilt and shame, dealing with our sin, dealing with our own disobedience, it's not going to be easy. But Jesus is going to be there with you through the whole process. Next slide. So let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. This is the truth. This is where we are. There's only one safe place that we can find when we're dealing with guilt and shame, and that's we got to run to Jesus. Let us go right into the presence of God when we're feeling that. Let us run right in there so that he can comfort us, encourage us, and get us back on the right path. Next slide. For yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless. So remember, even though you may have gone through something, even though you may be still dealing with any sin, he still looks at you as holy and blameless. That's what draws us out. It, that's what causes us to put down the things in our life and walk towards him and just say, God, I need you. Because many times we'll hold on to things because we think that we've become unsavable, unlovable, hopeless, and helpless. For if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, that's what this is. That's what your brothers and sisters are here for. That's what we're here for. We're here to encourage you to stay in the faith. 
Nobody's going to look at you and be surprised at anything that you may be dealing with. Go to that person that you confide in. Go to that person that you trust and talk to them. Don't hide it because God has a, a healing for you specifically. And all you got to do is share it with a trusted person and say, yeah, I'm dealing with this. But we continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast. And we do not want to be moved away from the hope of the gospel that we have heard, which was proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, which Paul was made a minister. Make sure I'm at the right spot. Okay. And then there was nowhere else to go with our sin. And there's no other atonement. <laughs> okay, next slide. For there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we can be saved. Jesus is our only salvation. He's the only thing that can properly deal with any of our guilt and any of our shame. So let's go to this next slide. So even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. He doesn't want us stuck in guilt. Yes, the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of our sin. But don't let it turn into shame. And don't let it turn into disobedience and walking away from God. Run to him. Run to the presence of God. And then lastly, this is the one that blew me away. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and close. If the worship team wants to go ahead and come on up at this time. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our, uh, our author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. And so I'm just going to share a little bit from, uh, from John Piper, and then we'll pray. Amen? And this is concerning shame. This is what John Piper penned, and he said, if I had to think about what Jesus was thinking about when he said this, this is what I would think. Listen to me, shame. Do you see, any, do you see that joy in front of me? Compared to that, you are less than nothing. You are not worth comparing to that. I despise you. You think you have power? Compared to the joy before me, you have none. Joy, 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 that is my power, not you, shame. You are worthless, you are powerless. You think you can distract me? I won't even look at you. I have set joy before me. Why would I look at you? You are ugly and despicable, and you are almost finished. You cover me now as with a shroud, but before you can say, so there, I will throw you off like a filthy rag, and I will put on my royal robe. You think you are great because even last night you made my disciples run away? You are a fool, shame. You are a despicable fool. 
that abandonment, that loneliness, this cross, these tools of yours, they are all my sacred suffering and will save my disciples, not destroy them. You are a fool. Farewell, shame. It is finished. Amen. So let's just go ahead and uh, bow our heads and we're going to pray. Worship team, you can just begin to play in the background. Yeah, you can get ready. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to give the opportunity for God to minister to anyone in this house today that simply needs to release their shame, their guilt. Maybe some things that have happened in their life, maybe things that are going on right now. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to just come and minister to your people. And the only thing I ask right now is that just begin to reflect on the things that may have brought guilt and shame in your life. Things that may even still remain to this day that you look at and you think, man, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to get through this. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Let him whisper to your heart to let the shame go. Just let it go. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That his sacrifice on that cross is permanent. It is all-encompassing. And it doesn't leave anything out. There is no sin so great that if you're not, if as long as you are willing to bring it to Jesus, he is willing to take it. He is willing to heal it. He is willing to give you the power to overcome it. The only sin that is unforgivable is when we don't go to Jesus. When we deny him and we leave. There, there's The reason he can't do anything in those situations is because we're not believing in him. So Father, minister through the Holy Spirit to each heart in this house today. In Jesus' name.